Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live. And I am your host, Lila Winston. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that God is blessing in your life and that you are growing in your work toward God and um, the things that he would have you to do. As you know, we come together to read in the word of God so that we can study it and then so that we can practically apply it to our lives. And then we also study so that we can learn the purpose of our lives. And so I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I want to uh, upfront let you guys know that there are some resources at lovewalk.substack.com. You can go there and check them out. There's a download there before we had the um, graphic and um, it wasn't downloadable. Now you can go there and you can download it. We're going to put up some more um, or I'm going to put up some more um resources that you can download and use um and so let's go ahead and jump into today's bible study i am really excited about this bible study because um i think it's going to speak directly to you because you are learning your purpose you're learning what god would want you to do maybe you're walking in your purpose and um you know sometimes people may doubt that and um you know a lot of times it's not just us you know sometimes we're the ones doubting what god wants us to do but a lot of times it's family and friends that may doubt it as well and uh, especially if you know you happen to have a particular calling on your life that does not look conventional um sometimes people are like i don't know about that i can see you in a pulpit i can see you you know ushering or whatever i can see you serving bread you know to the hungry but maybe your purpose is something different than that and you might you know struggle with that and so one of the things that i have noted that people really struggle with when trying to move into their purpose and even if we go beyond purpose just regular people you know deciding what they want to do with their lives um is family friends community society culture saying you know i really don't think that's what you are supposed to do and we're going to look at that because a lot of times we don't think that you know god addresses these kinds of things but he actually does address these things in the bible and so go ahead with me if you can grab your bible we're going to read in mark chapter 6 verse 1 to 6 so it's mark chapter 6 verses 1 to 6 and it says and he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him and when the sabbath day was was come he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying from whence has this man these things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands is not this the carpenter the son of mary the brother of james and joseph and judah and simon and are not his sisters here with us and they were offended at him but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor but in his own country among his own kin and in his own house and he could there do no mighty works save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching okay so that is mark chapter 6 verse 1 and 6 and i just want to point out you know off the top here you have a man that is doing all these amazing works and he comes back to his city to do i guess some more amazing works and the first thing they say is don't we know this guy didn't he grow up here with us 
he's one of us that's essentially what they're saying and that's the thing you have to understand as you're moving into your purpose as you're doing the thing that you feel god is now calling you to do is that a lot of times you're going to have people go hey you were one of us what are you doing over there come back that's essentially what they're saying and so they didn't just disbelieve him they were offended at him i think this is really key you know, I could understand saying, you know, I don't really think John is a prophet. I'm just gonna, you know, forget what he says. It's one thing to think that someone you knew who has moved into some, you know, new venture or, you know, new call in their life, whatever. It's one thing to say, I don't believe that they are that. It's another thing to be offended at them. You know, there are plenty of, you know, people that you can say, I don't believe, but to be offended at them, there shows that there was something there that was offensive to them about who he was standing in, what kind of authority and power he was standing in, who had he had become that offended him. The second thing too is that when they were offended at him, this is really a big part of the fact that he did nothing to them. This is really something you have to think about. There was nothing also that he could do to appease people because their offense was that he had come from a like beginning with them, but had become someone so totally different from them. And I think that's sometimes people, what people don't understand. You know, when you're among a group and you guys all started out together and it all seemed like you were going to end up in the same place where you were or maybe we're planning to end up in the same place. That was the idea. And then God came in and he told you go left, you know, or, you know, your purpose called you a different way. And I think this is something we really have to think about. We have to think about the fact that sometimes starting off with people doesn't mean you in there with him. And sometimes people are offended by that. You know, they realize he came from the same beginning system and yet they're not doing any mighty works. They're not, you know, raising the dead. They're not doing amazing teachings. It isn't because they are less than. It's that he's walking in his purpose. And I think that's another point we have to understand is that when you walk in your purpose, you're going to seem unusual. And the reason you're going to seem unusual is because when God can use you, it means that you're reflecting his light. And what does God say that he do? He does with light? He puts it on a hill. He puts it up for everyone to see, including those people you grew up with, including people from your family, including people from your culture, your city or society, is that they're going to see you and then they're going to see you in a different light. And so it wasn't about what he had, you know, it wasn't like his possessions or anything. It was about who he was and what he could do. And I think that's what you have to understand. These are some of the most defining things about a human, more so than their possessions or whatever it is. It's about who they are on the inside. I find that this is the most powerful thing when it comes to people. Just for myself, I've learned over the years, the most powerful thing about people is not who they look like or what they're wearing or where they're located in life or what they've even accomplished because sometimes you can accomplish great things doing great bad things as well and only time will teach you that but it's not that it's who they are on the inside how they actually are you know and that teaches me so many things when I interact with people and the Bible wants us to use wisdom to understand that as well. 
And so I want to note here that it says in this verse that he could do no great works here and he only did a few miracles and we always understand that concept because they didn't have faith therefore he couldn't do those miracles but i want to suggest a couple of other things too that we can use for our own application but we're going to get to that i think i want to kind of focus on the fact that you know people they believe that your origin story matters in the performance of your purpose. So if you didn't start out in, let's say, a family of doctors, you probably shouldn't be a doctor. Or if you didn't start out, you know, in this, you know, zip code, then you shouldn't be able to make it to this one. I think there is this idea that wherever you started off, that should have some bearing on your life. And so your beginnings may play a role in God's uh, divine plan, but they are not the deciding factor. God is. And that is what always happens among groups of people, cities, countries, colleagues, whatever, and regionally. People don't understand that when God steps into your life and He makes, when He places pur- a purpose on you, He barocks you with a blessing. It doesn't matter how you guys started out together, it doesn't matter how you started. the deciding factor is God okay I want you to look also at Paul's origin story not everyone came from the kinds of beginnings that belie greatness your greatness um, really should uh, be something that God creates yes it's it's something that overtakes you it's something that God has put upon you So a lot of people get it confused. Well, I don't understand you and I, we went to the same school. Why are you here and why am I there? You know what I mean? And and that's really uh, important to understand. People, I think it's difficult for people to understand that. And you have to understand that about people. This will give you great peace. It'll help you to understand why people act as they do. It'll um, give you wisdom on how to deal with people because you'll understand that people don't always understand that God is such a huge deciding factor. When he decides something about someone, it changes everything. It changes everything. And so it overtakes you kind of like the goodness of God that David talks about in Psalms 23, about God's goodness and mercy, chasing him, following him all the days of his life. Your purpose, your blessing, the Barak that God has put upon you, it's something that defines you. And yes, it's, it, when a person is defined, when they are separated, they are separated from the group for a reason, because I need you for a specific thing. I want you to think about if you're you know, baking a cake or something like that, and you're looking for a particular utensil you know, in your cabinet or in, in the um, cupboard or drawer, you go in and you separate it out from the rest of the utensils because you're planning to use it for a specific purpose. And that's what God does in our life. And that's what you have to understand. And that's what sometimes people don't understand when they see that you changed, you're different. Why are you going left? Why aren't you doing the things that we are doing? We grew up together. So the people from his own town who knew him were offended that his humble beginnings did not line up with who he had become and what he had come to know. And that's really the point. That means something has happened. And so rather than come to the conclusion that something had happened to him or something was different about him or he experienced something that changed him greatly, instead they were offended. Some people will resent 
the divinity in your humanity. That's so important. A divinity that they could not bestow on you and a divinity that they cannot take from you. And as uh, a, a believer, and especially if you're an apostle, it really kind of pushes you to the next mission, not quite knowing the outcome, but knowing that you must keep going. And that's why I say sometimes it's great to kind of look at apostles because they help us with our own purpose. You know, we're able to look at them and say, okay, they're doing something that looks totally crazy, or I totally don't know how they're getting that done. But I know the purpose that God has for me, and that's giving me the courage to walk in my own purpose. So I think we have to remember that people will see the divinity in you that's pushing you places, that's taking you places, that's getting things done, that's effective in your life, and they won't understand that. In fact, sometimes they'll resent it, and sometimes they'll be people of your own kin, okay? Your own countrymen, your own culture, the people that you grew up with. But you have to keep going. Now, I want us to look at a few verses below in Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at Mark chapter 6, verse 4 and 6. And I think it has an important element on prayer. And we see this with how he interacted with these people. Because I think there's a lesson in these things for us as believers as well. And let's read Mark chapter 6, verse 4 and 6. It says, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and healed them, and he marveled. He marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. So instead of healing, instead of you know doing all of these miracles, instead all he could do was teach them. And that's great. Sometimes all you can do is at that time. But that doesn't mean that the other kinds of great miracles and the effects that you aren't that you have or that your gifts or your calling uh, sort of elicit from you aren't still occurring or won't still occur. It just means that in this particular period, it's time to teach. That's why it's really important for all believers. I don't care who you are. You don't have to be pastor, you know, big shot or a deacon small fry. You can, whoever you may be, you, if you're a believer, you need to know how to teach. And so we could see that, that, you know, they could not um, sort of receive the blessings, the healings, the miracles that he had for him, for them. And so I want to ask you, could it be that we cannot receive what we have asked for in prayer because we have not really the faith for it? You know, a lot of times we have the desperation for it, but that doesn't always equate to faith. If God is my only shot and he's my only alternative, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm putting faith in him. It means he's my last shot, <laughs> okay? It, it means, you know, I, I don't have any other ways. And so he's the one that I have turned to. And sometimes, you know, we've seen people, you know, give their whole lives to Christ in these situations like that. But could it be that we cannot receive what we have asked for in prayer? Because while we are desperate for it, we don't have faith for it. We're kind of like the people in Jesus' hometown. We don't have the faith or the honor in God enough to receive it. We see things naturally, which is the obvious result of a carnal mind. 
And that's really what was happening. They were seeing him naturally and they didn't understand why this natural person that they grew up with, isn't his sister still living here with us in the town? They're saying they didn't understand how this really, this person who grew up with them could be doing all this. And they couldn't see that because of their carnal mind. In Romans chapter eight, verse six and seven, we learn that a carnal mind brings death. It says to be carnally minded is death. And so that's really important to understand how how, um, important it is, how uh, primary it is to sort of change your mind, to transform your mind so that you're spiritually minded because a carnal mind brings death. That's crazy. That's really crazy. A carnal mind cannot hold life and life is healing. Life is growth. Life is uh, maturing. Life is peace. Life is joy. Life is love. Okay, that's what Christ embodies when he says God is love. A carnal mind cannot hold the concept of God, of his eternal life within it. And so it's important to have a spiritual mind so that your mind can hold these things and incubate the faith you need to receive what you have asked for. So a carnal mind can't hold life. It can't hold healing. It can't hold faith. And so we have to understand that sometimes this could be the reason why we, you know, and I don't know if you've ever had this, and I've had this, I've had this uh, experience before, but it's an experience where you've been praying for something and you, you don't receive it after you've prayed for it, even for a prolonged period of time. But one day you're sitting down or you're thinking or you're walking or whatever, and you start thinking about the goodness of God, or you start thinking about the greatness of God, or you have some kind of epiphany about God. And when we have that realization about God and his deity, and we have, or maybe you have a moment of praise or faith in praise or choosing to worship in spite of a circumstance, sometimes we get that promise. And and I think it's because of what we see with Jesus in his hometown, okay? Maybe it's just not how desperately we need what it is we're asking for, how desperately we want it, but how we honor, recognize, worship, and activate our faith in God, putting it in his hands. And I've had moments like this where long I had prayed for something and it seemed to go unanswered. And then one day I had this amazing epiphany in deep meditation or in praise and worship and determined to serve God anyway. And then almost without delay, what I had hoped for suddenly appeared or came together. And that's what I want to bring you to, to understand that That's why meditation is so important. I want you to look out. We're going to have a resource on meditation coming up. Um, And I'll I'll link it if I can in the description. But what I want to say is that's why it's important to think on the deity of God, the worship of God, to walk in him, to think about his word. Because when we do, we come to greater understandings of his deity. The problem with the people 
who were in that town, in Jesus' hometown, is that they, they didn't want to see the deity, the inner person that they had grown up with. That's why I say sometimes people resent the deity that is within you, the miraculous that is working in your life. And so I want to encourage you to take the time to really recognize the deity of God. And, and this is really just very powerful. And I, you know, we can actually see this again in the Bible. I think the Bible is showing us this all over. There's this really great moment in um, Luke chapter 5 where Peter, he is actually kind of um, out here on the sea. And, you know, he's been, you know, trying to fish for, you know, the longest and he hasn't been able to pick up anything. And so he'd been seeking all night. And yet, at the word of God, he received so many fish. Sometimes you don't receive what you're asking for so that when God does give it to you, you will know who he is better and you will see yourself better. And I think that's another reason why you might pray for something. And it seems like, you know, God just didn't hear it. He has timing for it. Sometimes he wants you to recognize who he is and also to recognize who you are. And that has a transformative power. I want us to look at Luke chapter five, verse five and seven. It says, and Simon answering said unto him, master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partner, which were in the ship and they sh that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. In one statement, Peter came to realize, in one moment, Peter came to realize who Jesus was in that day. He said, sure, you can use my ship, you know, have your speech or whatever it is that you're doing, I'm fine with it. But when the Lord told him, let down your nets again, I remember he'd been seeking when he did that, that's when he knew who God was. I think that's really powerful. Let's look at what he says, what Peter actually says in Luke chapter 5 verse 8. He says, it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. So Peter got more fish after allowing God to use him for the kingdom than when he was seeking fish for himself using his own skill and under his own wisdom from his own vocation he knew something was different right there sometimes god postpones a request so that you can truly see who he is because if we see in luke chapter 5 verse 8 it says peter ran and fell down on his knees in front of jesus and that he said, depart from me, and he identified himself, and then he identified Jesus. Now remember, Jesus didn't come out and say, I am, you know, the Lord your God. He just preached on the ship. But this is what, uh, this is what Peter said. Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There he is recognizing the deity of God. There he is recognizing that he is a sinful man. But the deity of God didn't have any problem getting into the ship of that sinful man and using it for his glory to teach and to preach. 
No, we are not perfect people. We never will be until we go on to see the Lord, but we can grow every day and we can always have our ship available so that when the Lord wants to step into it, he can preach his gospel in us, whether that gospel comes from our lips or from our lives. And that is really important for us to understand is that God wants to use your ship, whatever your ship is, so that he can preach his gospel. He wants to use it for the kingdom of God. So Peter got more fish after following God than before. Remember, he was seeking all night. God can provide for you even when you're not doing anything at all, if you're putting the kingdom first. God demonstrated to Peter where his priorities lie, and that's what we sometimes forget about God. God's priorities are not our priorities. Peter extended less than half of a fraction of the time and energy that he did seeking for fish all night long. He, think about it, he just tossed it out where Jesus said to toss it and he brought back more fish than he ever had. People are so busy trying to make things happen in their life when they don't realize that if they could put the kingdom first, God would then bless whatever work, no matter how small or little time invested in it, he would bless that for their benefit. God just wants to use your ship so that he can preach the word from it, so that he can preach the good news from it. He just wants to use it for a little bit. But when he's finished, he's going to bless you for it. So I think this really sort of puts it all in perspective when we look at Peter's obedience and willingness to put God first. And it's actually said really kind of openly in scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Does my life, does my life seek the kingdom of God? Does it show his righteousness and how I treat people and you know am I doing the right thing am I living rightly with my wife or with my husband or with my children or within my community what am I doing to put God first seek you first the kingdom of heaven when you pray for your needs for the needs of your family for your children do you seek God first you know, I, like I said, there's, we're very protective about the people in our lives, particularly to parents and children. But are you seeking God to use that child for the kingdom first? Your Isaac, that's your Isaac. Your child is your Isaac. Are you using that child for the kingdom of God? Are you preparing them for the kingdom of God? When you plan things for your life, are you seeking how you can glorify God in that? Are you seeking how you can put the kingdom of God and the righteousness first in that? Wherever you go, when you go to work, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to buy something, when you choose a school for your kids or a university for yourself, are you seeking God first? Seek his will for it. Seek how you can use it for him and seek him for it. If there is something in your life that you are not using for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, find a way to use it that way. 
it doesn't have to be a big deal. I'm not talking about you going out and taking the clothes off of your back and giving it to people on the street. If that's not your call, you could be doing something very small in your home that nobody knows that is for the kingdom of God and it will bring God glory. This is what we have to understand. God's glory, his divinity is effective in and of itself. And so when he calls you for it, then you can do it. Just like when Jesus went into that town, people resented his divinity. They resented the fact that he came from the same place that they did, but he had different results. And I want to encourage you, no matter how different you are from other people, remember God made you that way so that he could set you on a hill so that you could help light up the darkness. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that God gives you the courage to keep shining your light. I pray that he gives you the courage that even when family, friends, community, culture, society does not seem to think that what it is that you're doing is what you should be doing, that you have the courage to keep doing it, okay? Keep doing it for God because in that you will be effective and blessed. Thank you so much for tuning in. May God richly bless you. Bye.